You could have heard this episode 40 hours early on our Patreon, patreon.com slash IndieHeadsPodcast. By joining us for as low as $1 a month, we'll receive episodes early and gain access to our Discord server. All of our upcoming episodes will be available up on our Patreon 48 hours before it hits our public podcast feeds. But if you're hearing this via our Patreon feed, we want to thank you so much for your support. We especially want to thank our Real Ones patrons, including Buchanan, Rob Marino, Grant McSpooky, Dave Grohl, Darian Fisher, Cal50, Al Grichmanoff, Melissa Reddig, Lily Mikowski, Tony Serafino, Chris Wade, Selectric, David Colbert, Maze Farms, Bex, Georgia Mikowski, Rachel Hartman, Noah Kurtz, Waffle113, Alex Bilovich, Alec Felder, Adam Edwards, Jackson Crisp, Elizabeth, John O'Rourke, and Derek Pemberton. To become a real one, consider supporting us with a $5 a month donation where you'll see bonus episodes every month and get a shout out at the top of the pod. Anyways though, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Death Grips Discog Breakdown. I am one of your two co-hosts, uh, co-host Maddie at Ruby and Prince on Twitter. Of course, I am joined by my other co-host, the lovely Jackie DJ Horse Jeans. Hello, hello! Very excited for uh, No Pod Deep Cast. <laughs> <laughs> and on this episode, we are joined by a very special guest. We are joined by Lily. Welcome hello. back to the pod. Thank you. I I, I was gonna go with. I broke, I ruined this for myself because I did end up taking notes, but I was going to go for no notes deep pod. <laughs> I was doing prep for this. Also, oh also good. Also good. See, I, I, I was like, I, I try to have some like actual like written notes for ex-military, but like once you hear those songs, like everything starts coming back. Like, okay, I know exactly why I love this song. I know exactly what this means. Like, let me let me do a check. I'm gonna uh, on our on our on our uh, our Patreon Discord server, which by the way, patreoncom podcast. You heard the the message at the beginning, but hey, join that Discord server by supporting the pod. It's very good to do that. Uh, I'm gonna see how many scrabbles I have for Death Grips. I'm like very <laughs> curious to get the exact number real quick. It's, so, it's uh, quite a few uh, listeners. I, I will say doing this new time <laughs> for this episode has like boosted my scrabbles insanely. Uh, I have four thousand six hundred death grip scrabbles on Last of Film. That's and our boy, and it's probably over five thousand because there's probably like CD stuff and like vinyl and other stuff that just got missed somehow. So, um, but nevertheless, we are here to talk about the third Death Grips album, No Love Deep Web, and. Um, I mean, the backstory of this record is simple. Um, you know, they dropped the money store. Then uh, they, they dropped Noah of Deep Web a couple months later. Like, nothing much, else happened. Nothing, nothing <laughs> happened in between or afterwards. Uh, normal no, album cycle. Nor- <laughs> they normal album their, cycle, find a new slant. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm joking because uh, if anyone knows anything about uh, Noah of Deep Web, they probably remember the the album's release more than like the actual album itself which is which is like slightly a shame but also like i can't really blame anybody because like 
it's pretty fucking nuts how it, that record came it, out. It's entirely understandable how both the album cover and the story behind the album cover and the story behind the album that 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 confluence of things, of course, that is inevitably going to uh, uh, overshadow the actual music because, like, when you search "No Love Deep Web," the first thing that comes up is album cover. Like, <laughs> no mistake. Like, that is what people want to talk about, and what we will most certainly talk about in this episode. But we're also here to talk about the album no love deep web because it is i mean the only album i can compare it to at all in history that is remotely like this is endless is the only thing i can think of where it's like it's this album that only exists in the form it does kind of because of like weird label fuckery and but Mm. like the difference is is that like endless still doesn't exist on streaming services and is like intentionally a lost album where this one like it's it's instead of that it's like oh you want us to actually do a promo cycle for this instead of just release this whenever we're done with it fuck you we're gonna put the whole album out on torrent sites and download i think i have no idea how accurate this number is but something someone said that it was downloaded legally uh 34 million times which is just uh crazy and i don't know if that entirely exactly tracks and but now it's like it's available it's not like a lost album it's they now i think own all of their masters again or whatever or at least they have like the streaming rights up and whatever like epic records is no longer trying to take down their music like they were uh during the 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 period of beef which we will we will we will very much get into but i mean uh, yeah. i'm so excited to talk about this album because like we were talking about before the pod just like nothing like this will ever happen again even though endless has some comparison points like really this is a one of one thing we've never seen history. frank ocean's dick we've never seen frank ocean's <laughs> not dick. yet not yet maddie not yet. don't jinx it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i i want to i want to make this point really quick because like i was gonna say this in the last podcast but i just couldn't figure out where to slide in like obviously thinking about it like, yeah, it's fucking crazy that Death Grips got signed to a major label. Like, I talk about this in an article I have coming out on Pace. Like, I think, I think actually that article on Pace would is probably going to be out by the time, like, like two weeks old at this point by the time this podcast comes out. But like, of course, it's crazy that 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 it's it's probably the craziest major label signing since like maybe Daniel Johnston <laughs> back in the '90s or like <laughs> any of those, like or like Butthole Surfers. Like, it's the craziest major label signing in a very like ever in my opinion of just like who the fuck thought this would be a good idea but like the, the only thing that really, yeah. did seem like one that's at the time the interesting thing but when you think about it now with how like the music industry has changed over the last like decade due to the streaming and whatnot it's not that crazy to think about that we get signed because it's just like it's more or less like yeah of course like a major label like the, here's this band that very quickly grew a very large devote like cult fan base as we'll, as we'll dive into so like of course the major label is going to want to hop on that because like we've seen this happen with a ton of other like quote-unquote indie bands who like you go wait a second they're on a major like of course like lcd sound system and vampire weekend and like even grizzly bear got signed to majors eventually because it's just like yeah they have a strong enough fan base that like you need a, you need a major label infrastructure to like maintain that fan base you can't do that on your own or like an indie does not even like a big indie like warp or xl doesn't have the resources to like maintain that like when adele became like the biggest fucking thing like she was on xl but like xl couldn't maintain that so they had to get help from like columbia mm-hmm. so it's not that crazy and i mean even now they're like they're technically on a major they're on harvest 
and Harvest is owned by like UMG, I think. So it's like mm-hmm. it's one of those like indie labels that's like it's it's a it's an indie label with major label resources, just like in all other uh, entertainment spheres. Like it's five companies now, and so like even the the kind of sub majors are all like within a couple of big conglomerates now but that's like exactly. that's definitely exactly. better for them than being an epic records signee proper that were signed by la reed as we discussed literally, last week literally the year the year that money store came out like they were they, they were putting out like a michael jackson compilation and like a jennifer lopez album it's, like that's what was going on at epic at the same time and i, and I think let's just let's just dive into the back of this record so obviously uh they signed epic records in 2011 Oh, I basically a personal signing by L.A. Reid like was in the meetings like I really love what you guys are doing I want to sign you and we should say we, we didn't say this in the last episode I actually didn't even know this until doing research for this episode was that like oh L.A. Reid like got me too like he got he had a, he had a step down from Epic Records in like 2017 2018 due to sexual harassment allegations oh fuck I remember that now okay so totally escaped me which I didn't know that, so I want to I want to iterate that that the man who signed this band, of course, is, is a is a sex creep and terrible and awful. But that 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 that's with that said, so they drop the money store. Uh, they have a big tour planned. I think they play Coachella for the first time, and you know it's like okay, they have like these your, your usual obligations when you drop like a record. I'm like hey, like we drop the record, we go on tour, and that's you know we do some interviews here and there, and that's it. Yeah, but, they're, like they're they're going along the exact trajectory of what you would expect to buy a band that just signed with a label like Epic to do, and also like we take for granted now that like at the time that signing kind of made sense on the level of like pre Money Store they were essentially just a buzz band, so like Epic mm-hmm. you know glommed onto this like potential next big thing, not understanding the fucking like minefield they were signing a contract with. Like, <laughs> oh my it, god, it they had no idea. Remember, like, they really did because of this album. But you know, there were no one anticipated that like this of all bands was going to, in one like phallic swoop, fucking like upend the entire <laughs> existing structure of the music industry. <laughs> Although, as Maddie pointed out, brought up last week, uh, Stefan did like trash the bathroom and spray paint it when he went to Epic Records, and they still signed him. So they 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 knew that there was some sort of gamble that they were making. But like you were talking about with like how eventually like all these indie bands got signed, like it's different though because like with those, it's more like okay, well, Vampire Weekend eventually amasses such a like cultural like monopoly or whatever that it's like okay i guess we just have to give these guys a record label contract because they're big enough to play big enough venues now and like whatever but like death grips they still got signed in their infancy it still was about like not just oh lots of people are really into this thing but lots of but that the excitement around it is palpable and that people are like this is the next big thing capital t capital n cap well that like it's it's something important and that's why i think la reed and epic records were like okay we want to get on board this thing and ride it but they 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 were betting on a horse they had no idea what what was going (laughs) to happen with that horse like it it's just it's so funny to watch the way it blew up in their faces yeah and also i want to like give contextualize my own narrative within this and we're going to get to why this oh, is yeah, that's right. a, a very interesting thing but like i will say before we dive into the full timeline that i get into death grips in september 2012 <laughs> which is perfect 
Yeah, Perfect. one of the most surreal times you could possibly uh, get into that band. Uh, and, and yeah, we're, we're going to get into why. Um, so like to get us back onto the timeline, like they drop the money store um, and yeah, like are following the standard, like, you know, up and coming indie band trajectory. Uh, and then like, you know, they uh, and also we should say that like, you know, no love is being teased on the stickers that come with like the vinyl release yep. of the money store. Yes. So they basically announced the album at the same time the money store comes out uh, and then announced this big tour. And then weeks later, they like abruptly cancel the tour saying like, we need to go work on the album instead, which again, at the time, like it's hard to remember, but like, I certainly, you know, when I try, I can recall at the time, like, this is sort of like pre ubiquitous band camp where like, it's pretty rare for like extremely rare for a band to release two records in a year. Like mm -hmm. that in itself seems like it would have been a noteworthy thing for them to do. And so then to cancel this tour to do that, it's like, okay, weird, but you know, they're up to something. I have to imagine would be the response at the time. Like even if it's slightly erratic for a band of their stature at this stage in their career, it's not, again, <laughs> the minds have not fully started going off yet. Um, Mm -hmm. and then and then in august they do <laughs> it, 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 it's so funny because like like you were saying like they have this record that is so big and so huge and we are not yet in the like full media saturation zone that we are in right now where like people will release two albums in a year because fuck like six months after you put out an album it might as well not have happened this year like mm -hmm. we're, we're, you you every five seconds you have to re-get the internet's attention and death grips were still existing in kind of a, a really different media landscape and so it was weird for them to do that but it's also like so obvious like that that's why that happened is because death grips do not want to put out an album and then spend uh 13 months milking that album and touring and taking time off to like self-care or whatever you know what i mean like they are just like <laughs> we need to throw ourselves back into the soup we need to create we need to piss people off we need to subvert we need to do something different and i think one of the the best ways to introduce this album is to read the 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 statement that they published before before the album actually leaked and before the dropping from epic they released a statement as it was getting closer to fall uh announcing the album and titling it and i'll just read this statement because there are a lot of a lot of really notable uh things that get brought up here so the album is titled no love deep web we are working on 20 tracks and looking to narrow down to 13. I would like to hear all those other tracks, by the way. Yeah, please. Uh, it, it will be released by Epic Records in the U.S. Uh, and Columbia in the U.K. The release scheduled for fall 2012, most likely late October. We are in correspondence with Crispin Glover, which well, I read that <laughs> and my brain fucking exploded, and are working toward a video collaboration with him relating to this album. We've been recording the album primarily in Sacramento, CA, and Oakland, CA for the past five months. We will be mixing it in Shanghai, China, which is just a great one-off line. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and no also, like, thinking about where this leads, when I saw the Shanghai thing, I was like, okay, one, an unusual place to mix an album, not to be too Eurocentrist about it, but, like, Shanghai, to my knowledge, not exactly, like, known for its role in the record industry. No. And also, even more importantly, um, would be very, very expensive to bring an entire band and their personnel out there <laughs> to uh, it, mix. It, 
And then the, the, the wild swing of we will be mixing it in Shanghai, China. And then the next sentence, there are no manually programmed drums on this album. The beats are being played live on a Roland electronic V drum set or acoustic drum set by Zach, which I know I knew that that was true about this album. But even still, like reading it again was like, oh, wait, fuck. Yeah, none of this is Ableton shit. This is literally Zach playing this live like an instrument, which just does not make any sense. There are no yeah, which features- we're going to get into like <laughs> this is this is zach hill's uh masterpiece probably but yeah uh there are, then the next line there are no features guest collabs or outside producers the material is cold bass heavy minimal rock and roll influence and could simultaneously fit into a rave or dance club context it is essentially rap and electronic music while at times extremely aggressive we plan on supporting this li- release live internationally the track comes that came out on September 10th as part of the Adult Swim series is a previously unreleased track from the Money Store and is totally unrelated to the new album. No Love Deep Web. No Love Deep Web is another sound and vibe entirely. Death Grips. Which, amazing that they wrote a better review for their own album than like anyone else was able <laughs> yes. to. Like, I was 100%. like, that's, you can't describe that album better than that. They nailed it. They knew exactly mm-hmm. what they were doing. Exactly. And and that's something I've really appreciated, like going back to this is now that we have the time and we have their whole arc of their career, it's a lot easier to like pinpoint all the stuff and, and, and connect all of the Pepe Sylvia style data points <laughs> and begin to understand death grips. But as we were experiencing in the moment, none of us had the kind of uh, uh, insight into the band that they themselves have when they talk about it like it's very clear that like they want this to be something that they have complete control over but to the audience experiencing it this is like chaos this is madness this is not something that you're supposed to be able to really wrap your arms around and be able to describe well but damn it we're gonna try yeah and also speaking of pepe sylvia connections like (laughs) i believe basically the same day that they released the statement the arg starts (laughs) yes Um, which i I was which also to like bring it back into my like real-time timeline you know early september i discover the money store through the fucking needle drop review because i'm 17 and it's 2012 uh (laughs) and start like looking into what else is going on with this band like oh like new album on the way you know ex-military blah 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 like there was some kind of like thing they did this summer and you know you see the words arg and at this stage i'm like what that fucking like shitty gimmicky thing that like trent reznor did for a like c tier nine inch nails album five years ago like what, they're doing that and it was like no no you don't understand people lost their fucking minds over this thing and i don't know i didn't even bother to parse the actual details of the arg because it's basically indecipherable to my barely computer literate brain but you know broad strokes the important takeaway from it is like a this is a thing they managed to success- successfully do and if you like Look on the Wikipedia for the ARG. I can't even like fully recall all the different like platforms and devices that the ARG played out over, but like, you know, you have people like camping up by phone booths and shit, and they are using like dark web clients and Tor, and there's like little like mm-hmm. GitHub packs that are dropping. And it really goes to show that like I don't know if I've dropped this take before on air. I certainly have elsewhere, but that like Death Grips are kind of the first band to just like be the internet like most Mm -hmm. bands up to this point have not understood the internet we've got a couple that understand it and this goes like beyond understanding they just are it they are like inside 
the cultural lexicon of um, like in, in episode zero, like you say, like the decentralized internet. And I think the ARG is a really great example of like, totally. What other band has managed to do that? Like a fucking ARG so successfully and on that scale and like, you know, not just have it be like, oh, a cute new thing to like promote their album or whatever, but like people get fully like indoctrinated. <laughs> yeah, um, like you compare it to the, the the Foxing album rollout right now, and it's like no no disrespect to Foxing, which I am so yeah. fucking excited for that album. But that album rollout is like, oh cute, you guys are doing a little thing. I'm gonna sit back and wait until someone links me the video. I'm not gonna put in any of it. And I was not I was not in the trenches of this ARG, nor am I computer literate enough to do so. But like I just pulled but, up the thing. But here. would you? But would you have been like I hear's like I didn't get a death grips until like late I probably. I probably would have been. I probably like I said, would I have. I would have been. No, or, knowing, knowing, I wouldn't the, have been the in the code. I, I wouldn't have knowing... been in the in the matrix. I mean, like, I literally found what Lily was referencing, which is there's a line in the Wikipedia where they say that the different kinds of text and sound files that were used included Braille, QR code, Base sixty four, the Caesar cipher, binary code, Morse code, and another cipher. <laughs> like they were using like I... all of these different codes and decryption methods and Tor and Imgur, and it's like like Lily's exactly right. It's like this is not a band that understands how to use the internet. This feels like a virus that is infecting the internet that just so happens to produce music on the side. Like I. A very important thing to remember is that, like, Zach Hill didn't get a laptop with internet until, like, four years prior. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Like, the the laptop that he made ex-military on might as well have been, like, a calculator. (laughs) Yeah, and also, it it may have been a laptop that in the Pitchfork interview for the money store that he... (laughs) That caught on fire but still works somehow. And also, he spray-painted a bunch. Yes. Uh, But... But the the we're getting we're 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 getting. I was gonna. I think the the backstory it's as simple as it's obviously like drop the money store, cancel their tour without telling anybody. Like the record, the label didn't know, their publicist didn't know, their booking agent didn't know. They just said no, we're not doing it. And like basically, when everyone found out is when like the people that should have found out first found out. So they do that, and then they record the record in Sac. I guess in Sacramento and and uh, Oakland. Although I think most of it was in Sacramento above the Sacramento bike kitchen, which let me see if I can find the specific quote about like the actual making of the record, because, you know, if you listen to this record, you go, Oh wow, this band was in a really dark place when they made this. And it's like quite literally and figuratively, they were in a very <laughs> dark place yes. uh, when this, when this came out. So yeah, it, also, were- it should be the fact that they recorded it in Sacramento is going to be gonna come back into play later on in terms of some of their financial hijinks on the way out of this record deal i i don't know if i said numbers and (laughs) it's fun i don't know if i said this during episode zero the ex-military episode which when we're recording this that episode's not out yet and i said that just like this album it just this is what just like what literally living in sacramento is like like this is just what it's like it's just like, we, we brought that up a couple of times now. Yes, Death Grips uh, music really evokes Sacramento in ways that uh, are not complementary to Sacramento and do not resemble the film Lady Bird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's here's the here's the the long quote from the Spin interview. Which I'll be, I'll be quoting this interview probably like throughout because it's a, it's probably the mm-hmm. most it's probably the most definitive interview of the band that we've ever gotten. Yeah, I would I would say, I would so. say so. Um. So. 
Uh, so I'm just going to read off these two paragraphs. In reality, the band wasn't too hard to find. They were back where they started in Burnett and Hill's apartment in Midtown Sacramento, a featureless cube of a building on a tree-lined street next to the train tracks. Hill, the mouthpiece of the band, who built their name on the web, deleted his personal Facebook, hardly futzed with their shitty internet connection, and ignored the great majority of his emails, though he does remember Bjorkson, a very kind artist-artist note of support. Which Well, foreshadowing. <laughs> foreshadowing there but also like god bjork is just such a such a mom to all these bands and i bjork is so cool we love her she's so fucking cool uh so for for four months of self-imposed solitude they spent every day working on Noah of deep web the sessions were immediately plagued by a spiral of alienation and isolation the first show of their canceled tour the sacramento electronic music festival was happening nine and a half blocks away from their front door there's the feeling of the whole town not feeling that decision and not getting behind that it says hill and obviously rightfully so so like even the band knew that like yeah no this was probably not a very good decision but it's just like when it when 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 art is taking you to a taking you to a place you have to reach the end of that goal mm-hmm. but anyways they lived above sacramento bike kitchen which after hours hill claims is a popular meeting place for sticky fingered near-do-wells in a city where more than 1150 bikes were reported stolen last year alone the band worked around the hours of the bike kitchen and suffered a handful of noise complaints. At one point, the porch caught fire for reasons unknown. <laughs> okay, Zach Hill is literally, is literally Spencer and iCarly, who just has random <laughs> pyrotechnicians, just just like random, just just a pyrokinetic. Um, so then the next paragraph, which is just like f- absolutely fucking wild, you could tell people were trying to break in. Says Hill. In the middle of the night, I'd see someone fucking with the door, so I throw a bottle out the window in the alley, so it would shatter and they would run. It was tiring in that sense, a very exhausting space mentally, and mixed with our internal struggles, it was not a pleasant time making that album at all. It was actually very dark. Spoiler alert: You can hear that when you listen to this. <laughs> yes, they um, might as well have sampled the guy trying to break into their apartment. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that was the bottle breaking at the beginning of Pillbox. Maybe. Maybe with his inspiration. <laughs> but uh, the rest of the gist is that, of course, they go to LA to try to meet with Epic Records. And I think really a, a big part of like the record leaking that I think is not talked about too often is that like basically at Epic, everyone that was behind them was gone. Like the, the you know, obviously LA mm-hmm. Reed was behind them, but he's the CEO. He's, he only has so much. His priorities are elsewhere, you know, but like, like the A and R VP that hire that, that signed the band, you know, they're gone. And then like another marketing person that also was really important with the band, they're gone. And so basically there are two main points of contact at the label. That's it. They have no one behind them. It's just like, basically like Epic is like, okay, well, we're just, they're just a band and label. Just we'll fucking forget about it. Cause like they're not selling records. So why should we care? So they go to LA, they try to meet with Epic and, pretty much every meeting fails and either just like nothing happens in terms of release dates or whatever. They're not getting anywhere. They're not getting anywhere when they actually get a chance to like actually talk with people with the label. They're just not getting anywhere at all. So they decide. So I think they went to LA and then flew back to Sacramento afterwards and then came back to LA again where they just stayed for like two or two or three months. I think, I think as far as I know, it was just Zach and Stefan. I don't think Andy, was with them in in uh at the chateau marmont which is where they moved into basically they burned through their fucking advance stay at the chateau marmont uh quote unquote infiltrated hollywood um, 
and the picture of uh of mc ride standing on the balcony of their chateau marmont a hotel room with two middle fingers up to the air is just like a work of modern art that maybe it's we'll amazing use it. maybe we'll use it as the album uh the podcast artwork today also i i crunched the numbers and they mentioned, I believe, in the same spin interview that they were paying $435 a night to stay at yes. the Chateau. Yes. I did the math. <laughs> That's a $26,000 hotel bill. Which, like, considering, like, a major label advance, it's like, okay, that's probably, like, that 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 makes sense. Like, that's probably how much they got for their advance. Except that they didn't do anything. That's- well, here's, I, I think with the advance, <laughs> they already recorded the money store before they... Like that was already done before the Epic deal, or at least it was mm-hmm. mostly done. So like when they got the advance, it's like, oh, okay. So like mm-hmm. free, free money, <laughs> like free, free right. money essentially. Um, but basically nothing happens. And of course they decide to start the ARG and eventually leads up to them leaking the album, wherever the fuck you could put an album, BitTorrent, RedTube, Xvideos. I know these <laughs> things better than my own grandma's. Um, but they, they, they it, it wasn't just like oh we're gonna put out the album early it's like we are going to make sure this album is as va- available as humanly possible we're gonna get it everywhere yes we are trying to like completely undermine our record labels authority and get dropped and i will mm-hmm. say that 48 hours on the internet was like as big of an escalating series of like they did what <laughs> as like i've ever experienced online yeah, again, like, like within the 2012 landscape, this was, it was inconceivable that a band would do this, like, that they would get signed to, you know, basically one of the most coveted like deals in indie music. Um, even though Epic themselves are not independent, it's still like, oh, you got the Epic signing. It's a huge deal, uh, and for them to do all this antagonistic shit, drop the album for free blow a bunch of their labels money basically try every single thing they can in order to get dropped it was like nothing like that had ever happened before and you know you would like we said at the beginning you would read all this stuff you'd like go through this timeline and think like oh well this is like an obvious attempt at career suicide right like they must have been fucking done after this like they do all of this insane shit and they win (laughs) no love deep web goes triple platinum or no triple diamond in 24 hours effectively Um, yes (laughs) like so and and the industry was never the same like that's the thing too like you forget what the turnaround was of like mm -hmm. this was just a completely insane unprecedented thing to do and then like within a year's time fucking beyonce and drake are like co-opting their release strategy like they do everything the music industry says you shouldn't and you know, 12 to 18 months later, it is what all the biggest people in the industry are like trying to replicate because of how fucking huge of an event this was on the internet. Also, we mentioned it before, but we should mention like as an added bit of flavor to all this, the cover is a photo of the drummer's penis. Um, <laughs> the, the, not, not, not just a, it's a photo of Zach Hill's penis with the album title written in Sharpie on his erect penis. Yeah. Erect penis somehow like that. It's a nice dick. It's a nice dick. <laughs> Not a bad dick. 34 uh, million people saw it. it All in Canada is. has seen Zach's dick. <laughs> and I think like a really important thing to from this spin article is that like basically the game that Death Grips was playing was like Zach Hill's brother is a fucking nerd. Like that's that's what this interview is like. He's a fucking nerd who plays like Magic the Gathering and like just plays computer games all day. And like was his brother was telling him about like 
like Magic the Gathering, like, oh, like there's the board. And basically Death was like, okay, so us against the label, this is like a game of like a, like a fantasy game where it's like, okay, we have to, they control the deck and we have to figure out our way around the deck. And I mean, as far as we know, like they fucking won because like, I think probably there was some out of court settlement stuff that happened, but all the same time, it's like, they're not making that much money on Death Grips. It's just like, let's just leave this be. Yeah. You know, Epic tried to like take, money store stuff off of youtube and like basically be like if you're gonna play hardball we're gonna like sabotage your career right back but then pretty quickly they realized like this band is just not worth the headache like this band is is just not we we didn't even really make that much money off of the money store comparative to like a like the money store was not their end goal their end goal was death grips becoming like this massive massive thing that they could just milk money out of and they i think really quickly after no love deep web they're like okay well this is just completely fucked and so we're not even gonna bother like trying to get back at them for this because i mean like you said like they they do win and i think the only thing that you could really compare it to is the radiohead in rainbows release but that is like that was deliberate by them and done in the cooperation. This is like taking that and escalating it way, way the fuck up and doing it in a more, uh, a more anarchistic way, even than, than, than Radiohead and Radiohead eventually then put it out for money three months later. And everyone was amazed at the fact that people still bought it after they had had access to it for free for months. But like, yeah, which also kind of like, it damages the footprint of that record too, in the sense that like the pay what you want thing doesn't stick, but it like, doesn't it, this antagonistic, like drop the album whenever thing like actually does. It becomes the norm kind of like shockingly quickly again for like how inconceivable it was for a band to do this at the time. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like it's like, it's like, this is something that just like musicians, like you're going to get like, at least like from like major artists, indie or major, like, six seven times a year like oh hey someone's got an album out like that's it you know like jeff rosenstock literally just does this all the time now like literally like mm-hmm. i think every ever every album he's done since like worry has been like like post that was surprise drop yeah uh, no dream that was that was also a surprise drop like mm-hmm. which I, I think that's just a case of like jeff being like i don't want to put out any singles like i just don't want to do that it's like i was like okay we'll just just put it out there are all sorts of different reasons why people do it and why also i think i think it's a way just to like not have a situation like this happen again we're like totally but like we're talking about the backstory we're talking about this let's 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 talk about let's get into the album itself i was was gonna say one more thing i did want to talk about while we're talking about the album cover still i think it's really (laughs) it's really important to bring up uh the quote from the spin article about the album cover from stefan because uh this is maybe like the longest stefan talks on record ever and the fact that it's about the album cover is incredible but uh i'll I'll just read hill talks in a quiet slow to unravel sacramento drawl burnett's voice uh on the very frequent occasions when he does speak with tape recorder running is even quieter if you if you look at that and all you see is a dick I don't really have anything to say pretty much Burnett members about the photo that ultimately became the album art for their corrosive cyber grinding electroshock scream therapy sesh. No love deep web. I looked at it and then said, this is a great photo. I'd love to do this to be the album cover. Both Burnett and Hill are reserved, soft-spoken, maybe even a little shy, hopelessly insular. And they don't exactly look strangers in the eye when they walk down the street. Most importantly, the men of death grips are as serious about, uh, 
The men of Death Grips are as serious as cancer about making their art. <laughs> And, 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 and like if you read the the, the whole quote he, he keeps getting into it like he says like it was difficult to do honestly it was very difficult it was difficult even telling people the source of it it feels sacrificial in a sense that idea existed long before by the way this is going to sound funny to other people but we saw it as a tribal as spiritual as primal also it comes from a place of being a band that is perceived as such an aggressive male based by some misogynistic seeming band it's a display of embracing homosexuality not that either of us are homosexual am i making sense people are still going to think it's macho but that's not the source of where it comes from it's also a spiritual thing it's fearlessness it represents pushing past everything that makes people slaves without even knowing it and so like that is the the genius of death grips is that i genuinely believe them that the album yeah. cover is like a real artistic statement and they stand behind it and they don't think it's just a joke but it is also a joke it exists as both of them perfectly simultaneously and yeah it is a a very profound image that is very (laughs) silly (laughs) yeah like some people might call like call that quote pretentious but it's just like not like i believe them and they're they're right in that like it's both and i get why they're upset about masculinity but also like haha that's a penis that's yeah and and i get why stefan is like upset about the way Mm -hmm. people perceive death grips especially at this time like really they're making fun of my best friend's dick i can't let this this (laughs) (laughs) no but yeah like like death grips because like we've talked about in the last couple episodes, like the first thing you absorb about Death Grips is the aggression, is the viscerality. And like, we'll get into this album. And like, obviously that is the thing that tends to grab you first is just like, holy shit, this album is grabbing me by the neck and won't let go. And that's like the first thing people take away from it. But there's so much vulnerability and like, and 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 brokenness in death grips that is not just like fuck you aggro machismo like it's very clear that all of the machismo in death grips is like a compensation a performance that is being put on by the character slash real person that is mc ride and so like i think that he i'm sure was like really ticked off by the way everyone just like completely dismissed the album cover as like a joke even though i'm sure they also think it's so funny that they leaked their album and and the 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 album cover is zach's dick i mean it's pretty good it's a pretty good move (laughs) yeah i and then again the crazy thing is that that dick is the thing that like propels them from up and coming (laughs) band to like for the next three years this like inescapable apocalyptic cultural force that just upends like everything we thought about how the music industry was supposed to function until then Mm -hmm. if they had released no love deep web on epic records in 2013 with like two singles before it and it came out it would not have the impact that it had period like it just it 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 still i think would be a really well-liked album and i think maybe people would talk more about it on the merits of the music which we need to get into that because yes we do need to talk about all the music that's going on here but i also think that like you're exactly right that the way that they did it and that's like the whole thing with dead grips is not so much entirely what they do musically which is insanely impressive and important and groundbreaking but it is the attitude and the and the mentality and the ideology behind the music and the stress and how that incorporates its way into how the music is released how the music is presented the visuals the, the feeling behind it and and their constant desire to to not just 
continue to build off of the one thing that they've done to be constantly subverting and changing like the end of the statement they give it's like this is a new vibe this is a different energy we're not giving you the same thing and that is what makes them so exciting for this period of time because it just feels like after no love deep web you would believe anything this there there is no the the uh was it called the the tyson window or whatever it is where it's like the the you can believe any story about mike tyson like they enter the tyson zone of, <laughs> of like from this point on like anything you tell me about this band i will believe it anything that they do will no longer fully surprise me yeah uh can we take a uh, hang on oh, I, I, we have to take a pause real quick uh my nose i got i have a nosebleed going on right now. <laughs> We're we'll, we'll gonna a quick pause, and then we'll, we'll I'll, I'll edit. We'll we'll be back in a second. I gotta go figure out. Uh, I gotta go clean up my nose really quick. Uh, thanks, thanks, Stefan. Thanks, Zach. Stefan, yeah, did oh it for God. sure. All that pin talk. <laughs> Maddie got horny like a, a Naruto character, like yeah. <laughs> developing an instant nosebleed. Hmm. It's fair. It is a nice dick. <laughs> It's not bad. It's I not bad, guess. Zach. Way to go. Way to go. Pretty good. <laughs> Come and get it. Before it gets you, let head it. Shelly jacked up. Double bail. Shots. Either you're there or you're not. Two bolts, you're my man. Why you want what I got? The money was the red dot. On your brow, 12 o'clock. Get down the hell drop, ask your whole life. Flash is big for your eyes. If don't nobody know what, true vulture, my man. It's money, man. Your money is money, man. Fuck the job. I'll kick the mark in my hand. Okay, we're back. I uh, had to t- take care of my nose. My my death grips in, uh, induced uh, nosebleed. Usually I mean, who among us? At shows, but I guess Maddie, the, the, the MC Ride came through the computer and, and gave you a nosebleed. Yes. I probably almost gave myself one head banging to a couple of these tracks, just like bouncing around in the, my computer chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one, I know, I know we need to talk about the music, but one final thing from this interview that it, from, from Pitchfork, uh, I think that Jim Pelly did is just like, just, I want to put this idea out there for the listeners heads of like what death grips are just like as people. So they asked, did anything surprise you in particular while staying there? Zach Hill laughs, long pause. The whole thing was so bizarre. 90% of the people eating at the restaurant every night are fucking famous or known for something. But that's not even the most interesting part. It's like they were, like we were living some double life, but we didn't let other people onto what we were doing. People that work there are our friends now. Basically, <laughs> 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 friends with the workers. That's great. That's great stuff. I, 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 I really working class heroes. I, I really do love that. Like like death grips are like, oh, all these people are fucking aliens. Let's talk to the people that work here, and also like them feeling like they are like infiltrators in this like other world that they like profoundly do not uh, connect with or understand is just like great and so perfect for the album that they then proceed to make. Yeah, it's this great little act of class espionage. I also want to bring out as like one tiny, tiny last little bit of like text around this album. Like I think a month or two after No Love Deep Web gets leaked, um, they do the like now taken down, but like still archived online uh, video interview with Pitchfork um, that uh, opens with uh, Ride saying, um, I'm not that fascinated by human achievements. Uh, A statement that he immediately follows with, of course, I like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> oh, it was on the tip of all of our tongues, Stefan. Yeah, you, you nailed it. <laughs> Just 
one of the most insane bits of energy anyone has started uh, an interview with and it's wonderful and just preposterous to picture them as they are in that interview like sitting down in a hotel room with like pitchfork suits uh, a thing <laughs> that they would quite pointedly never do again after this album cycle yeah like i think it's it's the only time that like on camera that we have heard like him sp- i think well i think like like interview sync i think you can hear him in, bl- in the black google video you can hear you can hear his like speaking voice but in terms of like a professional like interview type situation like that's the like that's the only and last time we will ever hear him i mean i mean literally yep. interview 2016 is them like being like oh you want to hear us yeah no it's it's about the music but let's fucking let's do it let's we, we are, let's we, are we, it. we are 45 minutes in and we have not <laughs> talked about the actual music itself but again the backstory we got it you got to get it all out there mm-hmm. but, a lot of backstory but here we are track one come up and get me uh the video for this i think came out it's like for the most part it's like a silent movie that they did that they filmed throughout the chateau marmont like you have like badass imagery of like mc ride like sitting on like a leaning chair on like a bed and like like blasting cigs or you have him like attacking and eating a plant it's a lot of a lot of stuff but I, I watched it today it is a genuinely unnerving short film that happens to conclude with what i'm going to throw down the gauntlet now is the best death grip song <laughs> at, at minimum my favorite oh boy so let's let's <sighs> just let's just play it so come up and get me death grips let's just those fucking synths come in you're just like Whoa. oh you oh. Are. i'm so mad we can't like do the full minute long drop into the actual verse so good <laughs> it, it, it is it is very I, I i will let you guys go off on this song appropriately i do just need to get out in front for the listeners the the dialogue that has been going on which is that i don't love this song which i i myself am mad at myself for like do not get me wrong this is not me being a contrarian this is me being confused by my own ears because everyone i know who's a death grip stan loves this song and for me it is like one of their least good openers personally but that's just because like every time i listen to this song i'm like okay this is going to be the time i love it as much as everyone else loves it and every time it's the it's the jay-z nodding his head gif where he's like (laughs) i think i like this question mark i I can never i can never like i don't know the the baseline is just not my favorite baseline they've ever done which is i i get why it's cool i i don't get me wrong i'm not down on the song and i also think that like Lyrically, this song is fucking unbelievable, and the performance that MC Ride gives is great, and I like it overall. But it like, it doesn't it doesn't viscerally get me the way that other Death Grips openers get me, which I know is the exact opposite way of the way you feel. So I will let you just like go in. Yeah, Jackie, I was thinking about this today because you know we're normally same brain about most things, mm-hmm. and I realized that like probably the reason that this song immediately makes me want to like hurl my chair through the window, and it doesn't do that for you, is that <laughs> the baseline for this song. This is why this song gets me going. I realized today uh, is that the baseline for this song is basically a metalcore breakdown. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that like, tracks. So it is so aligned with that part of my rhythmic DNA. Like, if you were to do that fucking like on an eight-string guitar, you would basically have a Meshuga song, and that's I, why this I, song I, is fucking hear, incredible and rules to me. <laughs> I hear that a hundred percent, which is exactly why the next song we're gonna talk about, which we won't get into, but Lil Boy is the one that gets me like fucking gorilla mode ape shit because it's got the techno <laughs> feel to it. Like, so of course. Oh, of course, I, that's gonna be drum corner. That song. Yes, uh, but uh, come, come up and get me is is a, a, a great. I mean, I say it's one of my least favorite Death Grips intros, but if it was the intro of any other album, any other band's album, I'd be like, okay, this is a great way to start because they just they know how to start an album, just like grab your fucking attention and and strangle you until you are until you submit to death groups and, and just let yourself be like, okay, this is just what's happening now. Which I think is part of why I love it so much. Like, even if you don't think this is the best death, death grip song, I think there's an argument to be made for this being the most death grip song. <laughs> like, they kind of put the DNA of, like, everything else they do into this song. It is kind of like they're, they're a gazamkin sport in that sense. Like, you could, if this was the first Death Grip song you played for somebody, they would not really be surprised by anything else they heard from this band. Like, it, just the, the whole palette is there. They, they give you all the clues right in this song, which is part of why it mm-hmm. works. And it, it is it is one of the the great uh, lyrical intros by MC Ride when he gets right into the I'm in an eight high abandoned b- uh, building no daylight one midnight lamp the 24 seven murdered out windows two exits street or no dive to the it sets the stage so well like you immediately are there in the studio with them being paranoid as hell in their like uh, nondescript apartment building that's like all mysterious and like it just it, it, it creates the sense of alienation and paranoia that is just so distinct to their music. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It, it's so visceral. It just like puts you right in that fucking room with him. And like you, what I identified, like listening to the album for this episode is like truly, I think one of the most inspired production choices of all time. Like when he comes in on that verse, the entire instrumental starts panning left and right around him. And it creates this like, spin cycle effect where you truly feel like you are just like thrashing around this room exactly like he is in the song and even his vocals are panning around like it takes what is a 2d intro and then suddenly right when the beat fully kicks in and the verse kicks in makes it this like three-dimensional thing that suddenly you are just like in and it is really great (laughs) it's so good Oh, oh, I could listen to the song forever. It's so fucking good. Maddie, do you have any thoughts? I mean, everything said, just again, lyrically, it's some of Ride's best work of just like, yeah. just this. I mean, I'm in Jimmy Page's castle, like fucking it, it, it's this is this is an, this is a song like if like. Basically, if I put this on in a prison, a prison riot would happen. <laughs> People would be freaking out of jail. It'd be yes. it'd be awesome. Like this song fucking rocks like there's not it's just is is it it's not my favorite death grips intro but again this is like every basically every death grips intro song aside from like one is like an s tier death Grips song and this is like and also the imagery of like mc Riot in the in the video of him being in like a fucking fur coat just balling the fuck out like rapping the song in like super harsh black like black and white like literally like literally black and white chef's kiss it's just it's so good it's so mm-hmm. good and it just a a perfect 
intro for the album of like hey we're about to enter some really dark shit and like it's cold it's dark it's 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 empty it's hollow Mm -hmm. it's it's time but of course uh the next track is little boy which is as as jackie's already saying a fucking incredible song that like if come and get me somehow didn't get you hyped this is gonna really be yeah. like, oh we're in for some shit here like this, this is, is not the money store too this is yeah, what a fucking opening to the album fully and, and this song really like more so than come up and get me is like truly where zach hill fucking revolutionizes the interface of the drum kit for the 21st century like this song especially just changes the whole vocabulary of drumming for the rest of the decade. I I, I mean I should have known that he played that that this was not like none of the drums were like pre-programmed, but like it's just like it's because again it's still got that like that mindset of like the simplicity that he was trying to go for throughout like the Money Store next military, mm-hmm. but still was like insane how this is pulled off. It, it, it's it's more. Str- kind of stripped down and like like you're saying like cold and not as like blown out but it is still simultaneously like really really like dense and and complicated it's simple but also like every single element here is like so unconventional and weird and like this is one of the only death grip songs that has like a four on the four beat that it employs like besides hacker and a couple other moments but then like they use they don't use the four on the floor as like the thing that they start with like it starts with this first weird kind of slower drum beat and then just shifts into the four on the floor beat like out of nowhere and it's just so exciting and exhilarating when they do it and the way that they, the song switches back and forth between the two different drum beats is like just genius shit Oh yeah, and the way they all interlock together to like get real theory nerd about this. I, when I was in college, ended up transcribing this song because I just wanted to like figure out how it worked on a drum kit without even realizing it was like technically playable at the time. And there's actually like basically three main elements that all come together into this song to form a single beat. Um, and basically, what they all create is uh, what's called like a linear pattern in which. It is this interlocking like 16 note thing where none of the notes overlap with each other. So if you take kind of what are like the three identifiable like drum hooks of the song, meaning the like dun 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 dun, um, and then the which I just didn't sync with the music, um, and then that kind of like polyrhythmic hi hat like that is um playing over the course if you put all those together what you get is like a pattern and it like they all interlock like this puzzle piece into this one coherent thing and it is this utterly like mind-blowing feat of linear drumming that like could completely pass you by unless you pretty much like put it down on paper to say nothing of like the sonics of the drums themselves which like the fucking revolutionary thing Zach Hill starts doing on this album by incorporating the V-drums is that like up until this point you know the purpose of electronic drums or like V-drum kits was to like try and replicate the sound of a real drum kit as best you could which like as anyone who has tried to play one knows most V-drum kits are like fucking terrible at and Zach Hill is like no fuck that we are just going to treat this thing like one massive sampler and incorporate like the expansive sonic vocabulary of hip-hop drums into the like actual physical space of like the standard drum kit and (laughs) the results just 
like it, it does create this like man machine fusion uh that is exceptional mm-hmm. and that he will then take to like an even further extreme like a couple albums after this one and it just it, it like for me personally and i think like industry-wide just it, it totally changes people's notions of like what you can do as a drummer or like with a drum kit again it's like kind of what mm-hmm. this album signifies for them and for i think a lot of music culture just like oh cool so like all the rules are out the window <laughs> This album truly is like, oh, oh, you can do this. Then I guess just fucking anyone can do anything. Then, um, yeah, it's really wild. <laughs> and then that something can be this, this revolutionary, this like mold breaking, while also being so fucking catchy. Like the chorus of this is a goddamn burn through it, burn through it. I'm not taking turns to like that whole chorus <laughs> is just catchy as all hell and then the like literally all week to myself like this has been one of the as i've been re-listening to everything i can't stop listening to this song particularly and just all week as i'm like making my breakfast there's just little, some little part of my brain that's going fear over pride floor you can't <laughs> hide face of a woman tears of a child it's just it's so great i i i love how how accessible and inaccessible the song is at the same time it's just totally I think that's kind of like one of the death grips magic tricks is that mm-hmm. like you do not need to intellectualize their music at all in order to enjoy it. Totally. But Which you is... can also intellectualize it to no end. Mm-hmm. It, like it is equally valuable on, on both levels. Like whatever, whatever amount you want to put into this music in terms of like thought, be it none or too much, like it completely allows for that. And that's because like they are both of those, like they are simultaneously like artists, like capital A artists who like are trying to make these like, 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 like the Stefan quote where he's like thinking mm-hmm. about it and all this way, but they're also trying to tap into this primal, I mean, like the, I am the beast I worship thing. Like they are trying to tap into this animalistic raw thing which is also what the dick, the dick is about it's like it's both of those at the same time and they they are constantly thinking about those two poles and trying to uh, approach both of them at the same time and that's what makes their music so awesome i think exactly and zach hill talks about that in that pitchfork video interview where he's like the shows have been like super visceral and rowdy and that's like exactly what we want to try and do is create a space where people can basically like you know, leave their thoughts behind and like do whatever they feel like at our shows, which like having been to one of those is true. (laughs) They did that. Um, But the way they get there is through all this like incredibly precise forethought and like very careful thought and consideration that they put into their music. And somehow it is like this intricately constructed thing that just ends up creating this space for you to just like completely thrash around them. Like, like it really is remarkable the way they're able to like do both at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Couldn't, couldn't say it better. Just it's fucking, it's nutty. even of course, as you think like, okay, we're like, Oh boy. uh, You're thinking like, okay, this is obviously not going to be a fun album, but like, Hey, it's going to be like really energetic and like, like, okay. Like there's some kind of, um, no love is the next track and no love <laughs> is one of the most brutal death grip songs they've ever put out like it is basically a metal song uh so I, I'm, I'm gonna turn up the volume a little bit and just let's just take it in one of the best intros to a song just it's just 
if you weren't if you somehow weren't hyped after the first two songs oh boy do do we have something for you here and doing it in truly minimalist fashion like this song is so spare mm-hmm. it's also funny this isn't even the peak of that like we're not even to gov plates yet <laughs> yeah and like the the synth sounds that are warbling it mm-hmm. sounds like you're in fucking war and there are planes all over you shooting at each other there's on fire like you have walked into no man's land when like the song kicks in it it is almost more so than any of their songs like just this sonic embodiment of paranoia Mm -hmm. and like of course you have the video which is like this like (laughs) they they just just did like rehearsals and like decided yeah let's just film this video and like the shittiest like old style 3d and like you have zach hill like carrying an amp on his back like he's fucking jesus with the cross yeah (laughs) it's so it's so great because it's the first time they've ever done like a traditional like let's set up the drums and have zach play and have mc ride rap in front of him like performance video and first of all it only comes out years after the album like they put it out i think right before the powers that be comes out is when they put it it out. was january 2014 i think yep. so like it wasn't until long after that they were like okay maybe we should do a video for that song because it's like one of our most important songs at this point but like even for being yeah, after tradi- government played <laughs> Even for being a traditional video, they still do it in the Death Grips way, like the 100% I used to give a fuck inner titles and like all that, and then the, the 3D and everything. It's, it's just great. The song is so fucking good. Oh my God. As a testament to the type of person I was when this song came out, like I did for, a, oh, I hate this. I did for a very long time have like Zach Hill carrying the amp with the like 100% I used to give a fuck as I think my like Facebook banner picture for a but, while i mean like arguably too long i i feel like an influence on like this song and really the rest of the record like really like when i think of this song especially i think of like the electrician by scott walker of like these images of like cia like black site torture camps and like whereas the electrician is more or less in the perspective of someone who's being tortured this is like the other way where i'm like i i am the torturer you're going to fucking i'm going to fucking kill you it's just oh my god this song it just your blood is boiling no like no love man no love and 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 it's it's such a fucking good uh mc ride performance the way he's just yeah it's incredibly committed Um, and also as a testament to like the level of cultural cachet that this album ends up or that kind of like the money store that their 2012 gives death grips is that like Three years later, fucking Bojack Horseman is using this song as like the cultural shorthand for having a bad one. <laughs> like that's how quick the shift is. Yeah, this this album is it's like this album it, it is a very bad trip. Like you you have you got some very bad drugs and you're having a very bad time and you're thinking about all this stuff. Yeah, like, whole trip never stops. I mean this. I mean I I talk about this in my pace article where like this record especially it just feels like it's like Wright has seen the worst of humanity and he wants nothing to do with it he is trying his best to disconnect from it in every way possible and it's fucking scary and frightening but there's like some kind of power in that that like you kind of see the appeal in it's like fucking hell man no love is just so good and also his performance it's like main like he's 
it's I've never heard someone sound so miserable, but having so much fun being as miserable <laughs> as they are. Right. Yeah, I will say this song does not move me like as viscerally as I think it does most people, which is my like brain broken take. I don't fully understand why, but like even so, it's pretty much unimpeachable on every level. Even if I myself am not always like feeling it to the nth degree. I, I just really like, especially after Low Boy and Come Up and Get Me, it is a lot more kind of like you were calling it like a metal song. Like it is a lot more traditional in its construction, and the the drumming is much more like recognizable as like something a drummer would play. But like it still hits so so hard. And I think what it does really interesting is using that synth sound in a similar way that they do on Money Store, but using it almost like as a guitar riff. Like in mm-hmm. the uh, in the, the Wikipedia page, I, I wasn't able to find this interview. I don't know if it's still up on the internet, but with Exclaim. Uh, Zach was talking about the album and he says that uh, we have uh, we think it'll end up being the heaviest thing we've made so far on so many levels. It strikes us as the closest to what we've got to uh, to what our initial vision of Death Grips would sound like. We have a feeling, and it's pretty absolute, this album will contain our most future-forward and potent material. It's emotionally raw and direct. The sound is indescribable. It's very beat-oriented. It has some of the guitar-driven elements that we touched on with Ex-Military, but they aren't exactly being generated by a guitar. And that's, like, perfect for, like, what No Love is, because there, there are no guitars on the song, and even though Zach's drumming is a little more traditional, it is still, like, it is, it is deceptively... Uh, seeming like it's more conventional than it is yeah and again this proves why they don't need a record label like that is better ad copy than any fucking like Seriously. marketing agency person could write like again they know exactly what they're doing they've thought about this they have the vocabulary for this like mm-hmm. he described the album better than any of us will like while recording this podcast for the second time this episode yep oh my god <sighs> Well, the next song, the next song on the album is is Black Dice. The whole A side. Like, yeah. I mean, we, 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 we mentioned this last episode that they're just an A side band in general where they love to just like just assault you for the first six tracks of a record. And this this record is no exception. The whole the whole I mean, for me, the run starts with Lil Boy, but the whole first like seven tracks of this album is just nutso. Yeah. Oh, the song. I, I really have like in listening to this album and in recent years anyways i'm like is this a top five death grip song that no one talks about because this is so fucking good See, i guess and, it kind of gets overshadowed because it like comes out it comes between no love and world of dogs and so i think people kind of see it as like the connective tissue for that i know i kind of did for a while but oh it's beat. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I, the, the imagery of flipping pentagrams. God damn! Like, what makes, an opening line. There, there's so many MC ride lines. Like, you give it to anybody else, they just cannot. It'd be fucking dorky and lame. But it's like flipping pentagram. It's like, yeah, I, that's the thing I imagine MC Ride does is flip pentagrams because he's fucking MC Ride. And I feel like Jackie, you were talking about how like little boy has a, a sort of the floor thing going on. Despite that, I feel like this is maybe also the one Death Grip song you could actually get away with playing in a club. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, really kind of is so beat heavy and just goes so hard that like I think you could like conceivably like slip this into a club night and have most people like not really realize it's Death Grips. Yeah, the the uh, the, the synth line, but b- both both the 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 reverby one and the the like descending little. Uh, 
do 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 that that whole yeah. thing like both of those are weirdly like it reminds me of uh oh fuck the part in uh lost boy i think it is or or what, what's the part in money store where like those really pretty kind of like vo- vocal passages come in uh and but point is oh, like, uh, the... maybe uh, I'm, I'm thinking of, I, i'm for whatever point the point yeah. being is that like there's this brightness and like you're saying like this beat heaviness to it that does seem kind of contradictory with what they're doing but there is this kind of sourness to whenever they do employ like a sweet melody like it's sweet in this kind of like corroded sort of way it never sounds pretty and in a way that fits in so much better with like the contemporary musical landscape like no doubt in part as a result (laughs) of death graves but like me saying you could get away with like playing this in a club is not true in 2012 it's like definitely pretty true now that like there's a faction of people who would just kind of like groove to this without question not realizing who it is people haven't been in nightclubs in like a year and a half they'll they'll vibe to anything at this point i mean that's also true i was trying not to date us on that level but yes (laughs) but it's like but no but like this is a great song and it's i i guess my take is i'm not as strong in it as as you two are but like this song especially like like the nightclub scene in blade like this is a song that would be in that nightclub honestly this entire record but like this song especially uh, also just on a production level in terms of depth the way the kick drum in this song is absolutely sidechained to shit rules so hard and again like creates this real sense of space in an otherwise like very very bare and stripped down like song and also album like this is sort of the start of their like minimalist phase that they're in for the next three records like mm-hmm. after this like the money store is like pretty much the busiest they get instrumentally into like arguably 2016 yeah that, that's that's the interesting is that like this is this is the record that yeah it begins the streak of like basically becoming like less sample heavy and i i i think obviously it's, it's a it's a deliberate choice to both in that like which is kind of weird because it's just like if ex-military mice are indications like these guys are very good at sampling like they can really have some creative use of samples so it's kind of interesting them shutting that away and being like no we're gonna we're gonna do this on our own like the like the most sample heavy mm-hmm. they get after this is like probably birds but it's just like it's just robert pat like they were hanging out with robert pattinson and he was just shitting around on the guitar and like oh that's we can we can turn this into something yeah, you know how most songs happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> the movie stars fucking around on a guitar in your green room in fucking Hawaii, like they, they, I, I just like I know they actually met like Pattinson at like I think like Coachella in 2012 or whatever. But I would like to think that like Pattinson was staying at the Chateau Marmont and he saw Death Grips <laughs> in like the front lobby, being like, "Wait, hey, is that Death Grips? Is that Death Grips?" <laughs> and then, I, and then I, just, I would I would personally like to believe that uh, Robert Pattinson didn't even know who Death Grips were and just saw I, I, them. I was going to say I just saw them. That... Neither of them know who, knew who the other was. Just like the, the, the Safdie brothers thing where uh, he never saw one of their movies. He just saw a poster for heaven knows what and was like, I need to be in that movie. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure he just saw a picture of MC Ride and was like, I want to be friends with that guy. Yeah, completely. But yeah, no, they do move away from samples until, you know, two albums from now. It's like, oops, all samples. <laughs> but I, I think it really works, especially for this album specifically, like 
to divorce this from the world of like the thing i love about ex-military is the way that it recontextualizes all these other musical sources into the death grips world but this is like okay we are fully creating our own alien landscape that just does not sound like anything you've ever heard before and the components of it like kind of bring you back to like oh this kind of sounds like techno this kind of sounds like metal but it doesn't really like it is completely alien and foreign in a way that really drives home a lot of the like themes that they're trying to get at with this album yeah it's almost like it's like that i think it's like a miles davis quote of like oh like you know jazz is just about like the notes you don't play like Mm -hmm. this is the hip-hop version of like the notes nobody else plays (laughs) Gov plays like even more so than that way. Usual hip hop album and made an album out of like those little gaps. You would get no love deep web. <laughs> totally. Um, the next song is 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 World of Dogs, which uh, uh, I mean I can't. Let's just. Oh, just so nasty. <laughs> Already it off is. the bat, just the nastiest synth you've ever heard, and then these lyrics. Uh. I uh so I I have been uh when I go to therapy every week usually I like listen to a podcast in the way there because I don't want to I want to just like relax a little bit and then on my way back I tend to listen to music and so lately since we're like prepping for this series I've been throwing on Death Grips albums on my way home from therapy which is just a great way to get some (laughs) of the get some of the jitters out you know just like let's throw on No Love Deep Web and I was stuck in traffic on my way home from therapy listening to this song cranked up so loud and i and like not to be one of those death grips fans that makes the joke like this is comfort music for me or whatever like but like i was sitting in traffic like it's all suicide i'm like you know i'm just vibing right now this is absolutely (laughs) like this is this is this is mood music this is this is dream house this is dream pop to me like i'm just vibing out right now with mc ride going it's all suicide it's all suicide it's all suicide Oh, it's so fucking it's one of the most simple songs on this album just in terms of but it's also been the drumming that Zach Hill is doing on this is so fucking complex at the same time yeah but we get like full double kick pedals on this song which is a very interesting I mean an interesting mode for Zach Hill generally who like typically doesn't use those kind of almost famously uh, despite you know what his foot technique is um yeah, it, it's a very interesting touch. I have to say, this is like my least favorite song on the album by kind of a wide yeah, margin. Interesting. Uh, but I, I really loved seeing Maddie like react to this song, like how I reacted to "Come Up and Get Me" in Black Dice. I, I'm not there, but I truly, truly love that for people. It is. It, I, I find this baseline extremely filthy, uh, and I, 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 I enjoy this song. I, I'm, I'm a little between where Maddie is on this one and where you are on this one, but I like it a lot. Yeah, th- this is kind of the like same as the. Um, uh, this is like plays the same role for me that um, I've seen footage plays on the Money Store, where it's like the mid album. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I, 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 and which is between spoiler like, alert for our ex, ex for our money story album. I do not feel that way about I'm seen footage. I think I'm seen footage is the fucking best, but that's because it's a, a jock jam and it's perfect. <laughs> but uh, I love this song and love uh, 
I really love whenever they've got one of those bass lines that's like just really like hammering so quickly like that and like stuttering and just like there's no part of it where you're like counting the bass line or following it along. It is just like like propelling its way through the music like by force like yeah and and the way the bass line is just like just the way it's gliding between pitches like i realized i'm thinking about that like you know most music that people think of as being atonal like actually isn't it does have some kind of like centering tonal structure to it even if it's like really really obscured but like this album is genuinely atonal like there are not pitches (laughs) essentially uh everything is sort of like everything is gliding uh between what we would think of as like a conventional tone structure uh which is a uh, very cool <laughs> oh boy well folks make sure those doors are locked because the next song <laughs> on the record is is lock your doors which i'll gotta lock the doors folks which also one of the nat it's like it's like ex ex military ex like intro just like nasty i like the the yeah. crowd cheering, which I think uh, allegedly comes from like a Lady Gaga concert at Madison Square Garden. Oh, Hell yeah. Also, I got some shit to say just for the fuck of it. Ooh, like just one of the best MC Ride intro lines ever. Just like, okay, we're in for something. And like this first half of the record, it, it sounds like you're in the middle of a fucking war. Like you are a child soldier. You are in the middle of a war. Good luck out there. Like, <laughs> And also the video for this uh, is the, the iconic video uh, that was filmed during their South by Southwest set where Zach Hill typed in to play drums. <laughs> I watched that video today. Uh, and yeah, I forgot about the moment where like Zach Hill getting in front of his Skype drums drum set is quietly like, I think it's going to be loud enough. <laughs> Which, like, obviously, if anyone knows like anything about like, like, video production like yeah no you didn't, you didn't <laughs> you actually skype. Say shit about that oh my god in 20 like having 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 done a podcast on skype for many many years before like the last like two years i guess or like more or less a year and a half like it, it ain't it don't work like that it don't work it, shit don't sound that good i i have no idea how they synced it up the way it did they must have started with him because it's fucking hard enough to like get jokes in on time over the internet never mind like stay in the pocket for a song as a drummer uh mm-hmm. never mind an entire set it, it, it's really well that they pulled it off yeah I, I like i thought you know it was important to have like a little video corner for this album um and yeah i think lock your doors like maybe their best video it's a really good video i won't say their best but it's 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 definitely really good opposite just like you have like them wearing the goggles and like filming the crowd and like all this crazy shit like i think like seeing like the actual south by southwest footage of it is like oh, it's, it's so wild what they did with that of course spotting fantano right in front row like the big fucking obnoxious camera flash thing oh my god Love that. uh <laughs> yeah i guess actually i'm realizing also i'm not part of why i want to do video corner is because i'm not like as familiar with them for the most part like relative to the songs which i'm all like mm-hmm. extremely familiar with so i just wanted to kind of like refresh myself i remember the come up and get me video being what it was i'd actually forgotten what the no love deep what no love video was and i was like right of course um but yeah the, the lock your doors video was the only one where i was like yeah i kind of know like every beat of this video somehow um i, I guess guillotine would be the obvious like foundational like death groups video text mm-hmm. 
I, th- I think guillotine is the most important of the original videos but i do think yeah. tachyon is the better song and also a good video that's that's yeah, a take. yeah it's a fair argument i don't know yeah but yeah guillotine is obviously kind of like the one in terms of their videos and how important mm-hmm. they are um but i think just on like a, a visual level with the types mm-hmm. of like color palettes and textures that i find to be most satisfying like Lock Your Doors is, like, right in the pocket for me. Lily and I are both big fans of grain. We, lo- we love some grain, yes. don't we, folks? Don't we just. I have literally spent the entire week with my face buried in Photoshop, just, like, being like, I need the exact right amount of grain for this. <laughs> More. Lower five. Get those numbers up. Or down. Lower five, but not too low. Yeah, God, luck. Just so the the first half of this record just like a blast of of energy and like just anxiety harsh, harsh vibes very yeah. bad i i'm starting to think this mc ride fella he ain't doing too well he's not doing <laughs> too hot uh neither is is the is the person behind him making the music he's not doing too well either uh but also but next on on the track list is probably one of the more underrated death grip songs in my opinion i think that totally. like, when I think of this song, I think of a drum cover video that I saw of just a dude, like literally just like uh, like a hi-hat and a snare drum and that's it. And like a dingy hotel that looks like it was filmed somewhere in Eastern Europe, <laughs> like dingy as fuck, but fucking going, going hard. Uh, it's whammy. Uh, not chunky. You know, there's no chunkies here. It's whammy. <laughs> also... Oh, oh, exactly. The Zach Hill lick on this song is fucking nasty. Like, oh, god damn. The combo of of the uh, the female vocal sample and then the the whammy repetition, it really simultaneously is like, okay, here's what we're gonna do on government plates and redacted on the moon in one song. Like, we're gonna give you like, and that's been one of the fun things going back through this is like, as we've talked about, like now that we're in hindsight, like every Death Grips album, I'm like, oh, here I'm seeing a little of what they're gonna do later. Here I'm seeing a little bit of the 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 minimalism of gov plates like the way that whammy is just this like one single word that mc ride says that is stretched i mean there are verses on this song it's not like gov plates where it'll just be one word through the whole song but like it, it is really more limited in its writing style and then combining that with the vocal sample that really reminds me of how the vocal samples are utilized on redacted on the moon with bjork like this is a similar sort of like Pre, pre pretext for that future project yeah absolutely and yeah i, I feel like this song is very i mean this and black dice are the songs where it's like yeah they're kind of just bangers but they're like some of the best bangers of band right mm-hmm. <laughs> even if they're just in the track list to like i don't know be fun or groovy or whatever which they of course are not exclusively but i think that's maybe sort of like more of the predominant function uh that they're playing for the track listing as a whole as opposed to like no love and lock your doors being like fucking capital s mm-hmm. statements these are kind of like breathers that come after that but even the breathers on death Grips albums are doing a fucking insane amount yeah it sounds like they recorded this in like a vampire's castle or something it, it rules <laughs> uh the, the breathers on death Grips albums would be uh like freakouts on most other bands albums yeah completely oh this yeah. part too oh the drums it's so good 
Oh, it's so nasty. <laughs> so nasty. God damn, Zach Hill. I love that man so much. The way the bass oh. feel on the kick drum is so enormous. Oh my god. I I, I said this and I'm just gonna sp if you read it, I'm, this is spoilers for YouTube, but like you read it, I sent you a, a rough draft of this yesterday of like ex military Meister, it's just like you being like you're sewing, like haha, fuck yeah, yes. And this record is you reaping and being like, well, this fucking sucks. What the fuck? <laughs> yes. Precisely. Like, this is, even though those albums are not at all uh, sunny or, like, positive or, like, not harsh vibes, this is, like, really, like, still embracing that, like, night, that power of the nihilism, but also this is, like, more more so of a, of a a come down a bad trip as opposed to like like there are moments on money store that are like fun in a way that this album even when even at the bangeriest moments on this album you, you don't really still call it fun little boy is a very very fun song to listen to it is not a fun song if that makes <laughs> sense yeah that totally makes sense even though like and this is saying more about me than anything else, even though I kind of don't feel that way. Like, I recognize that this is fully, like, one of the more sinister and confrontational albums in their discography, certainly far more <laughs> than The Money Store in a weird sort of way. And yet this is the one that I, like, can completely vibe to. <laughs> this is, like, the Just Jams Death Grips album for me, which is an unsettling fact about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, and that, but this all leads into to the next song, Hunger Games, uh, which I think this might be like my pick for like most underrated song on this album. I really think it's oh, the yeah, way it, it starts out for me even today. I love that. I love that like spring-loaded sample, whatever that sound is. It's it's, it's like that's what like fake V drum symbols sound like. <laughs> Like, they went through the default settings and were like, what's the fakest fucking cymbal sound we can find here? And then they made it the centerpiece of the song. Which, again, it speaks just, like, the way that they are using the drum kit and its sonic vocabulary in a it's way genius. that is all conventional logic up to this point, but is, like, so rewarding to listen to. Yeah, like what you were saying, like, instead of trying to have this artificial thing recreate the feeling of real drums, they're like, how can we use the techniques we use to play real drums on this while having it sound as unlike real drums as humanly possible? And exactly. that's, like, the, the ethos of this whole album. Also, the video of the, of the, of the dog on a swing while the song is playing. I was not aware of that. I was on that swing. Swing. Push me. Push me hard. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've, I've seen it. It's so funny. It's, it, it's yeah. like... Turn, it, it's a very clever turn, turn of phrase, but, but it, it, it gets turned into a very funny joke. Let me, let me rewind. We missed a very important line in this song. Oh, yeah, we did. A little bit. <laughs> yes. Like this is the most lyrically like this. This is like, like the reality of I wanted, I needed. Of like, oh no, this guy's nasty. Get out! <laughs> I don't want this guy. Get out of that cab! Oh god! Like, I don't want. I. You need to clean that cab immediately. <laughs> let me let me find the dog ribs video really quick. Of of the swing. Okay, here we go. Okay. 
Just seeing the thumbnail is enough for me to understand and be very, very <laughs> Also, Innocent like, literally begging you to kill, like, somebody please yeah. kill me. Somebody please kill me. Which, again, very, very damning things about myself. I heard that line when I was out for a walk today, and I was like, ugh, mood. <laughs> oh god, I'm just thinking of the, um, of the Mega64 IRL speedrun video, where, like, the end of the challenge is that, like, you have to have, you have to die. <laughs> like, and so it's just, like, Sean, like, being like, alright, somebody kill me. Somebody, come on, come on, kill me, kill me, kill me, come on. Oh my god. Uh, so I'm gonna... Uh, so listeners, you're gonna have no context, but just look up Dog Grips. It's Dog Grips Two by Hobo Jim One Seventeen. Um, oh boy! Well, our next song is the is the second part of the titular title track, Deep Web, which you have that voicemail. Which like, who the fuck is? I think it's the same guy from the Guillotine or Beware voicemail. It, it does. It does sound just like uh, the it goes, it goes, it goes, yeah, guy. Also, oh the synths. Whoop, 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 whoop. Oh my I, god! I, I like, will say this is, uh, my least favorite song on the album, uh, but I I don't hate it. It's not. It's definitely cool, but like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's never been the one for me personally. But yeah, I um, it's close to that for me. Like, I, I'd probably rank it like third or second or third, maybe, maybe fourth. If I'm really feeling it, which I actually was earlier today. Yeah, it, it's in the lower end. But I mean, the lower end of this album is still better than a lot of albums. Also true. I do really like the sound rare. Yeah, I love how the synths on this song really do sound just like the data mosh effect. Like, it, it, you know, those gifts of like Seinfeld's face melting into itself, but in synth form. Yes. Exactly. They're really good at like, like the way that their music videos recreate like the language of the internet and the language of like decay on the internet. Like also their synth sounds really do like sound like like lots of music tries to recreate like computer glitch type sounds, but this really does feel like like they they created these sounds by like some sort of error. Like they feel yeah. so corroded and like incorrect but also so like catchy yeah i mean in some cases I, I forget which money store song it is but like this comes up in my youtube algorithm all the time but like they sampled like a broken printer oh that's, that's face melter that's face yep. melter which is on the death grip cp oh, okay someone didn't get far enough in our episode zero <laughs> no i didn't know stupidity's prepping for this episode that's true <laughs> but i think this song is this song is, I think this song is fucking sick. But also, it just like this is the, the first song you hear in like the the, the Pitchfork video interview, the yes. live, which like, oh god, and also the line, "I'm the coat hanger in your man's vagina." Like, there's some like really vivid imagery on this song on this entire album. But like that takes the cake of like, I okay, MC Ride, like you are the coat hanger in in your man's vagina. Like, I mean, that's the line that kind of like tanks this song for me. I had I get it. forgotten about it, and it leapt out at me, and I was like, I I don't like the energy of that. <laughs> I it's a little dicey for me personally. I don't I I don't blame you. I I don't blame you. It it is so visceral that I just kind of have to like mention it because it's just it just takes you back a little bit because like for the most part like on like a first listener so this record and like. 
you can kind of forget like some of the things he's actually saying. You just feel the energy, but that's more. It's like, oh, he, oh, that's okay. That's the thing he said. Like, okay. I mean, look, Ride has allowed one insanely problematic line for for album uh, as as compensation for being like far and away the most underrated lyricist to the decade. Yes, mm-hmm. he uh, gets one. That is his one on this album. Oh God! <laughs> Our next song then uh, is Stockton, which, oh God. <laughs> this is one of the hardest bangers on the album for sure again uh, talk about just enormous kick drums on this album and the the electricity synth yeah also the fact that that, that high or the hi-hat or the snare that fact that it's not that's not like pre-programmed but like zach hill actually doing that Ugh. i also the, the the opening line of this I'm bouncing whoop whoop uh, loud and lit Alan po po shit. <laughs> I didn't even realize that that's that, that's such a good pun. That's incredible. I, I don't want this episode to just turn into us like listening to the album for the most part but there are like especially for someone who is like as fixated on rhythm as i am there are parts of this album where it's just like head empty only grooves <laughs> yes exactly like I'm, I'm finding my i'm like trying to make my point and my brain is like but yes you could you could be headbanging right now you should be headbanging yeah. right now and yeah, it, it is insane that he is doing all this live. Like, too. It feels too. It feels to too as, mechanical. To be as chaotic a yeah. drummer as he is, and then to be able to like stay so on time and in the pocket that like it could easily be mistaken for a drum machine by most people is just. It says everything you need to know like about Zach Hill as a drummer. Exactly, is like Zach Hill once an album likes to remind us that he could be a traditional drummer better than you could, while yeah. before he goes back to doing the shit that only his brain can think of. Exactly, that he has a better like internal metronome than most drummers, uh, and just chooses not to use it and because he got bored. He has it. It's like he's bored of it. Get away with not using. Exactly. This is a man that, just for fun, essentially, like, decided to handcuff himself and, like, do a Death Grips rehearsal. And it still sounded great. Like, yeah. the, the man is, is awful. And, uh, but there's not much. I mean, Stockton, it's just, it's, like, a super, it's probably, like, at, up until this time, probably the slowest Death Grip song. Like, it's very patient, which is not expected. It's usually full of energy, just, like, full blast ahead this kind of like slows it down a little bit even despite like the like the, the teeteringness of some of the drums it's like rides kind of more chilled out as chilled out as one could be when you're living in hell um, i'm combining the two in my brain and i think actually kind of surprisingly no love has a slower tempo than this even though this feels like the lower energy song mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which says everything you need to know about like both songs yeah I'll, I'm, I'm bouncing. God, I mean, I'd be, you are bouncing. Oh God! Like I mean, compared to my story, like I, I for one, I probably should have drink a beer because for whatever reason, I, I was a lot more articulate than I probably thought I would be after one beer when it comes to talking about the money store. Uh, but then, of course, at least, you know. Oh! <laughs> oh! This one really shot up the ranks for me listening to this album a whole bunch before this episode. Mm-hmm. It, defi- it definitely has improved uh, with time. Like, this was not an, a song I remember loving uh, 
when I first heard this record, and I definitely appreciate it a lot more now. No, me neither. And I definitely like did this record a disservice at the time by like, and you know, in fairness, this maker this record makes it pretty easy to do that. Oh, all the sense. Um, oh. This record makes it really easy to do this. Like, it's such an A side record that like you get to lock your doors and you're like cool that's the album yeah none of the rest of these songs could get better than that which is like kind of technically true for the most part yeah yeah oh there are a lot there are a lot of uh death grips albums like that like like where this it's not like there's a big side b drop off it's just that the, the side a gets your blood pumping so fast that you peak a little early where you're like well the rest of this album is still good but like my energy is already spent because I got so fucking hyped listening to the first six tracks. Yeah, Death Grips are such an A-side band that, like, they have so many 11 out of 10 side A's that make you completely ignore, like, a objectively 9 out of 10 side B. Mm-hmm. Like, the drop is from above 10 to below it, yes. barely. And still, it's significant enough that, like, you know, you get through the first six tracks and you're done. I've talked over it both times now, but that drop into those, I don't even know what to describe them, just, like, fluttery, liquidy senses. A, I think, like, I'm realizing kind of the most straightforwardly pretty moment on this entire album and maybe any of their albums up to this point. Uh, And again, is such a good use of, like, I'm really, like listening to it with fresh ears coming to appreciate like the mix on this album and the way it like very selectively uses you know the amount of breadth and the amount of space that is in the mix so that like you know the whole thing is so stark and restrained for the most part that when you hit moments like the synth in pop like it truly just feels like you are seeing the world in 3d for the first Mm -hmm. time it's so effective and they drop it so deliberately that when they do like it, it just it feels like when the acid hits yeah it it I, I was thinking of what i was trying to think of earlier it's the the synth and vocal on hustle bones that it reminds me of it's, mm. it's that little like pretty shimmering thing and it is it is so rare that death grips will include a sound that can be described as pretty and when they do it, it manages to be just as disorienting because of the fact that you like by this point in the album you are so locked into the no love deep web headspace that like being assaulted by those pretty sounds like feels alienating in the way i'm sure that like when they're making this album in their little hole like if they heard a pop song they'd be like what the fuck is that shit like get that away from me like yeah and then they proceed to like arrange an entire album after this like pretty much around that exact effect yep of just like giving you little like slivers of melody taking them away from you and then dropping them back at moments that are like so far removed from where it was introduced that it ends up sounding like completely alien even though it's technically like the most melodic thing on the entire song or like that entire section of the record or whatever Mm -hmm. uh yeah so two more songs on the album uh the next one is is my least favorite song on the record the one that i Mm -hmm. i i think like it's one of just like i think if it went from pop to artificial south and west i think the album would still work but also i kind of see is like okay it's like it's a necessary kind of like midpoint between these two songs like okay gotta kind of lay out some of the things that we're talking about in artificial death in the west but also like i i i disagree i just like really 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 love it's still a good song don't get me wrong but it's like if i if i pick a least favorite this is this is the one for me that's fair yeah that's fair this is one of the most like fine ones on the album and it is just kind of there i actually almost like disagree with the 
point you made instead of the point you were about to make, Maddie. Like, I- I'm realizing in terms of Sonic Palette, actually, like, going from the sort of, like, more expansiveness of pop into, like, the total, like, desolate, like, abandon of artificial death, I think would actually, like, kind of be a more effective choice. I wonder how the album would feel if you put this almost, like, between Deep Web and Stockton or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think this song maybe isn't placed perfectly on the album because it is one of the more straightforward. Just like this is like a banger, and that and it it definitely has that 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 haunted quality to it. But it is a little more straightforward than some of the stuff like immediately preceding and following it. And maybe that's like why they put it where it is because they're like, okay, pop is kind of one of our weirdest songs. Artificial death in the West is this kind of slower, sadder closer, and then st- like. I agree that maybe if it was between Deep Web and Stockton, it would be like more, it would be better suited. And, but I just, I really love this. I think the title of the song is one of my favorite Death Grips uh, titles ever. It's just like so evocative and like so perfect for this album where it's like the the bass is just like earth shaking. And like, uh, I really love uh, the, the chorus of it. It's just really catchy. Yeah, and like the B2B of titles that closes out this album are sort of like, I'm realizing the most directly Death Grips have invoked like nature imagery in any of their song titles up until that point. And I think that like now I'm realizing is really indicative of sort of like the tonal shift that is going to happen with artificial death, like leading into government plates. Yeah. I mean, the song's still really good. (laughs) It's really good. I'm like, it's not that great, but it does groove, though. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that leads into the outro, Artificial Death in the West, which, um, another hot take I got. I think, aside from, like, it might be, I'd have to re-listen to Bottomless Pit again. It might be my, of, of, like, the, of their peak period. So I'm talking, like, ex-military to to Ginny death this might be my least favorite outro mm-hmm. of, of the album it's still a really a really good effective outro but it feels like like the, the 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 space and the vibe this puts you in it feels like it was something they would go on to perfect better on government plates but again that's for that's for next week's episode so i'll just start playing i actually next. was gonna say the thing this most reminds me of is it feels like the prequel to on gp like that mm. that mm. is kind of it's how I, I think of it like because it is this is the most subdued death grip song up until this point very very clearly like mm-hmm. it is it is uh but it, it it's this perfect like melancholic version that is still like paranoid like you still have the the where you run in now watching them watching me like it is still very much in this like paranoid world but this is different because he's kind of like worn down by it as opposed to like usually we're just seeing him in the middle of his frenzy and there's like this clear-headedness and this clarity to the the, the vocal performance that is something we have not seen from Death Grips up to this point and I think is really really effective in the context of this album like where we are at this point in their career and I think the reason why it feels underwhelming is only because like we've watched them like I, th- I think both uh, whatever I want, fuck who's watching, and on GP both take what this song is doing and, and improve on it a little bit. 
and so i think that's only why now like this song can feel a little underwhelming but i still think it's really really good and i think lyrically is such a perfect close to this album yeah i've I've had kind of the opposite art as maddie with this where like this used to be kind of a nothing song to me like it didn't really stick with me if i even like got far enough in the album to really listen to it like i may have really only heard it about like a dozen times total if that before prepping for this episode in which i listened to it like as much if not more (laughs) than i'd listened to it before in my life and it really hit home for me in a different way it's just the sparseness of it and the sort of sinister sinister but also incredibly like melancholic quality it has is sort of like I wouldn't think of many Death Grip songs up until this point and like maybe not at all is like kind of being able to like make me almost want to cry at points but this maybe gets the closest um, definitely it just it has this incredibly affecting quality to it and I think also maybe just it's in a different way uh, than it did previously because I'm in such a different place in my life. Like, I will say, like, listening to this song after, you know, like, starting to fully understand that, like, you are capable of, like, experiencing dissociative episodes and stuff, that whole, like, watching them watch me, like, ooh, ooh, oh, that, like, it's, like, a little too close for me um, in a way that I really appreciate, though. It's, it's a different mode for them and a mode that they start to access more uh from this point and and i think this being sort of their first stab at that sort of territory uh also makes it like really really potent for me um and and it really shot up my rankings of death grips closers to the point where i was like before i would have said you know i kind of i know that song like has a lot of praise thrown at it and i wish i loved it as much as everybody else and now i think i'm like really starting to get there after listening to it in this last week a lot of the imagery of the song it's very cronenberg s like oh i was gonna say the uh the uh she shoot pussy pussy through your chest you die line was specifically i was like that i thought of videodrome immediately i was gonna say videodrome (laughs) bitches be Uh, like this is my comfort movie (laughs) it's just it's literally videodrome uh, but I also one thing I, I just realized today because I listened to Gov Plates right after I listened to this I really really love the symmetry between the closure of this album and the closure of Gov Plates where this album ends with watching me watching me watching them watch me and then the next album ends with fuck who's watching fuck who's watching fuck who's watching like oh, it, it, it's I never like thought of that. The, the first the first one is like is is the is the paranoia and the claustrophobia of death grips of like living in this like surveillance state society and like feeling completely alienated and isolated from it and then whatever i want is the the nihilistic battle cry against that where it's like fuck whoever's watching i'm gonna act like an animal and i'm gonna go crazy because because that's all i have is, is that that freedom and so I, I, I thought the, the, the symmetry between the, those two lyrically, I, I just noticed it today for the first time, and I was like, oh, shit. Also just an interesting bookend. Like, I realized there's kind of a mirroring thing in that, like, this is the longest song they've put out since Beware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It definitely could be like a little shorter, but it, it doesn't need to be because it is this vibe that they kind of want to leave you with for the end of the uh, 
the album so like once you've kind of been and, and actually, I think that does actually further your your sort of theory that maybe the album would be better if pop was the out song right before artificial death in the west because pop does feel like it's kind of like deconstructing and powering down and then bass mm-hmm. rattle coming in next is just kind of confusing because it's like throwing you back into the mode it was in a couple of tracks ago just to do that like i think if, yeah. if if bass rattle was in the like whammy hunger games lock your doors run i think totally. it, would, it, it would probably work better yeah and like i get that this song is technically too long i am also a sucker for long songs and long close long closers but like I think it really the lengthiness mm-hmm. even if it isn't like the best choice on a songwriting level like does totally contribute to the sense of the album kind of like melting and collapsing and you've mm-hmm. gone from this like you know the the hyperactive state the album starts in with come come up and get me and you know this is sort of what signifies like the full sonic degradation that like leads us into the like true abyss of government plates um I, I remember reading an article that talked about how like the last song of every Outcast album foreshadows what the vibe is going to be on the next one, and this feels like it's very much playing that role for Government Plates. True. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but I guess before we we wrap up uh, this podcast, I did forget to mention that there was a song that came out, uh, an, another song between uh, the Money Store and No of Deep Web that came out. Of course, uh, at Death Grips was the Adult Swim single. And then the second one was True Vulture Bear, which was a song that uh, that leaked on their website. Basically, some fans, while the ARG was going on, went digging in the web on Third Worlds and found this this song. They were like, oh, nope, you weren't you weren't supposed to find that. <laughs> like, that wasn't a part of the ARG, uh, which was a collaboration they did with uh, with a gay one person for an animated video. So I was going to play a little bit of, of True Vulture Bear because uh, this, like, literally, like, people found this song, like, a day before the Noah of Deep Web week. So like, there was probably people being like, "Oh, is this what the next album's gonna sound like?" And then, of course, not the case, like at all. Wow, I've never heard this before. I didn't know this existed. Yeah. It definitely sounds like much more indicative of like what they would do after Jenny Death, like bury it again, like bottomless pit and you're the snitch. Yeah. Everything else. Mm-hmm. It, it does have like proto no love people. Like it, it does almost feel like they're coming out of the money store and like haven't fully identified what they want to do yet, but they're like working out some of the base elements of it mm-hmm. in a way that yeah like so some of their later albums end up sounding like fusions of you know multiple of their albums the, 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 the synths sound more money story and the drums sound more no love deep web totally it sounds like if you turn up the bpm on a beastie boy song or something <laughs> yeah with the hi-hat yeah. Also, primitive digital is like that's a great line. That's a core core asset of of the Death Grips mythology and just their complete ideology to music. Right. Oh, but yeah, that's that, that, that that's a little, little little deep cut in in the discog. That's a bit difficult to to find. I do wonder one day if they'll ever like put out like a, like a rarities compilation because there's a lot of stuff out there. Um. 
of just like random stuff that, that fans have put together, but like hasn't had like a proper like like they put out some stuff like like Gmail and their shitting orders and in, in uh, more than the fairy on streaming recently. So it's like kind of wonderful here to get this other stuff to pop up on streaming at, at some point. But uh, but yeah, that that is it. Of course, the band they 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 leak the record. Uh, they leak some emails with Epic Records. They then get dropped from the label. Uh, they go on a tour with just with just Zach and uh, which Ride, and then uh, do the festival circuit the next year, where it's just Andy and Ride, and of course, between uh, that have the the South by Southwest show, which was pretty anticipated, and where they filmed the Lock Your Doors video, and of course, uh, then then one day towards the end of 2013, by surprise, uh, they released their their fourth album, Government Plates, but. We will talk about that on next week's episode. So, uh, Willie, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, anything you want to plug before before we 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 log off? Uh, no, I have nothing to plug. I'm still barely online. I might get online soon. I, I might post <laughs> after and and be online. Uh, we'll see if that has happened by the time this comes out. I'm debating getting back on Twitter with like the same energy that the weekend sings the FML chorus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god ruined everything after making all the, what, what if we just have like a total backslide um yeah, that, that actually yeah. reminds me of one thing i was like when i was researching this i was reading the the, the spin interview and a, a some uh, at one point they talk about how they deleted the death grips twitter that they uh created early on and they deleted it and they're like why do you do that right. zach, zach hill was like it's stupid and he, <laughs> he was correct that Twitter is stupid, but then unfortunately he unlearned his own lesson with Year of the Snitch, which we will get to later. Mm-hmm. But but right now at this point in the in the series, we're still in the we're still in the golden age, baby. We're still we're still right in the thick of of, of Death Grips mania. Yeah, the, the this is the run. <laughs> yes. The oh boy. Well, uh, I guess in my, my, my final thoughts on Deep Web is that like I it, it's just a record that like I feel it more than I can like speak on it it's just like you listen to it and you just really like get into that headspace that, that, that like Ride and the rest of the band were in and like in, in my article I, I say like my, my final line on No Deep Web is saying that like this is the record that you hear in your head when you're being like when you're being forcefully ripped out into space in the endless abyss it's cold it's dark there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's all bad. And this is that record. It's, it's fantastic. And uh, it, it serves very much as like a, a record that it really begins the start of, of, of like a, of a new era for death grips in terms of their musical ideology and like completely changing the way they do production. Because after this, like they don't really go back to that like money store um, ex military style production. They just, they don't end up returning to it. They kind of go, they kind of keep, even, even when they're doing very different things with this kind of more minimal production style, like it's still in that style, like this record. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing, this record that I don't know if I mentioned yet, and I really want to mention before uh, we stop recording is that the mixing on this album is so fucking good. The way that mm-hmm. these songs are all allowed to breathe. Like you really do feel like the, the, all, everything is given the proper amount of space like you do really feel like you're in like an empty warehouse or something yep. it, it's just it, it just completely isolated from humanity it's 
it's absolutely perfect everything is given space but it also does not feel wide open it feels claustrophobic yep. it feels contained but then it doesn't feel like the, the, the way that the, in general the mixing is so important to death grips because this all could just be a clusterfuck it so easily could be like indecipherable nonsense that is just like cool to think about intellectually but doesn't actually go but that's the thing is that death grips actually goes it actually slaps it, it isn't just density and inscrutability for the sake of itself mm-hmm. god and shouts out to andy moore and roll fast uh mm-hmm. at this point in time uh for that that first run like really the secret glue like making sure everything didn't fall into chaos and then his brain broke after after redacted <laughs> on the moon and that and but that, when, that I mean, whose whose who's brain didn't break after redacted on the moon? Let's that be is real. That's true. That is true. <laughs> All uh, of us were permanently changed by that, even including death grips. Yes, I mean, truly, how do you follow that? <laughs> exactly. So, so that that'll do it. Uh, we will see you all again next week as we discuss government plates with uh with with uh he's 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 coming back, baby, Mister AJ Moser. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> he, will be, he will be on the pod. We're entering the Moe's zone. The Moe's <laughs> zone, uh, talking government plates, and another special guest, which we will, uh, you'll, you'll know when you know. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. We will see you all next week, and uh, bye bye. Bye.